listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. You know, today uh, we're not doing it, actually in, the, in these last few weeks we haven't been doing a particular series. We've been doing um, a couple of, I guess you can say, one-time uh, sermons. And uh, if today's sermon had a title, it would be Becoming Like Jesus. That's what it would be titled. Um, this is a, a, a subject that I'm very passionate about and that in my quiet time with God, I'm constantly seeking and, and looking into his word to see um, what he has to say about that, about how we become like Jesus. And it reminds me, uh, curiously enough, about my wife and how much she loves to hike. Like, my, I, I've told you guys about this before, if you've heard me talk before. My wife loves to hike, and I mean love. Like, like when I have a long weekend, what I think is great, I can use Saturday to just sit at home and stare at a shoe. Just sit there. And just, because I don't want to think, I don't want to do anything, I just want to stare at a shoe or at something, right? Just, just sit there and do nothing. And then maybe watch a movie later, you know. And, and if I'm going to do a hike, I'll do like maybe a, a, a flat two-mile hike. Flat. Flat. Okay? That's, that's my idea of a hike. But my wife, she's not like that. I call her jokingly Dora the Explorer because she just wants to keep going and going and going. Um, it frees her. It recharges her. Um, and and, and the, here's the thing is she likes the really strenuous ones, the ones that are like, okay, Three miles, don't, don't, if someone ever says, come on a three-mile hike, three miles is nothing, ask them, is it flat? Because three miles flat is totally doable. I, I can do 20 flat. Like, 20 flat is great. But when you have to do three miles just going straight up with switchbacks and under the sun, there's no trees covering you, and, and, and it's really intense, and you have to climb small boulders, you know, it's it's three miles, okay? It's not really three miles. Um, you know, to give you an idea of the type of hiker she is, she's done the, the, the Six Peak Challenge here in California. Um, I think Gracia has done part of it or most of it or all of it. I'm not sure also. Um, Gracia also loves hiking as well. Uh, Katya has done, uh, well, she took, dragged me along to do Half Dome in Yosemite, which is a really intense hike. She's done all of Utah. Utah's like her second home. She's, you know, she's gone to Zion, done the Narrows, done the subway. She dragged me along for the subway. Um, she, uh, she's been all over the national parks in, in Utah. Um, one time, and here's, here's why becoming like Jesus reminds me of her passion. Because I, I, you can do all the things that she does, and you could tell that me, Ricardo, doesn't like that type of hiking. I can go with her. I can have the equipment. I can have all the stuff with me, all the water bottles, all everything, right? And I could look the part, but the moment I open my mouth or you look at my dead eyes, you can tell I don't like it as much as her. You can do all the right things and still anyone can tell, yeah, he doesn't love hiking. He's just along for the ride. You know, and, and it reminds me of this one time like I said, Gracia loves hiking. So sometimes Katya and Gracia will plan like this uber mega hike uh, weekend and they bring JP and I along. And 
it's not, again, it's not that we don't enjoy it. We do, but probably at a different level, and, and I might be speaking here for JP. But let me tell you about two incidents. With, preach, brother, right? Preach, brother. Come on, bring it. Bring the fire. <laughs> let me tell you about this, these two incidents. So there was one time where Katya and Gracia planned for us to go at, uh, to go to this place called The Wave, which is in Arizona, but bordering Utah. It's a beautiful place, and it's worth the hike. But after the wave, we went to this place, which was a little further in Utah, in Kanab, um, or, or off Kanab, I think. I can't remember what it is. It's called White Pocket. Also beautiful. Now, we had just done the wave. We were exhausted. It was summer. It was hot, okay? It was really hot, and we probably didn't have enough water. That, you know, we didn't have the right amount of water for this hike, and, um, and so we had just done the wave, and we're on our way to White Pocket. Now, we, we, we had read and we knew, Katya and Gracia especially, we were supposed to have a four-wheel drive uh, car for getting to White Pocket because, um, you know, there's a lot of, basically there's no road once you're trying to get into it. There's just a lot of sand and it's high. So not only do you need a four-wheel drive, you need a car that has the clearance and the four-wheel drive. So we got an all-wheel drive, and it was more like a Subaru Outback. It was kind of like that. I can't remember what it was. It was not appropriate, but, we, you know, of course, my, my wife, she loves hiking. She's like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. And so off we go. Well, JP, at this point, he's feeling the heat. He's tired from the, from the hike at the wave. And you can tell he's a little dehydrated. You can see, like, his white lips, you know. He, you can tell he's kind of like... You know, you could kind of hear him mumbling in the back. We don't have to do this hike. You know, we don't have to do this next one. We could just go to the hotel, right? Let's, let's just turn back. We don't have to do this. Needless to say, the car gets stuck, gets stuck in the sand. In the middle of nowhere, because it is nowhere, and there's no one around. And so we try to, you know, to, to uh, accelerate past it or, de or, or, excuse me, or reverse accelerate. We try to push it. We try everything. We can't get out, out of it. We're freaking out. We're trying to... Now, at this point, we're digging sand out of around the wheels, trying to get the car out. JP, all of a sudden, opens the door, drops on the ground, just like, <laughs> and, he, and all we hear is, <laughs> and he starts to throw up, okay? Not, not to make this very graphic, but at this point, Gracia turns around, and she's like, he's dying, he's dying. <laughs> and, and at this point, all I can think of is, Katya is the only one that's saying, we're going to get out of this, and we're going to White Pocket. We're going. We came too far. We're going. She loves it. We look the part. We don't love it. Now, there was a second incident. By the way, we got the car out, and we made it to White Pocket. It was really weird. Some guys were driving a big van, picked us up, uh, and they, uh, they took us. They were really nice people. It's Utah, you know, so people are really nice over there. Um, but then a second time, we're in Yosemite. And uh, Katya has made me do all of the hikes that are from the floor of Yosemite, from the valley, excuse me, all the way to the top to some peak, right? And so there was one that was missing for us, which was Glacier Point. I don't know if you know much about Yosemite, but that, that one's a nice view where you can see Half Dome and you can see all sorts of different parts and peaks of the park. And so... Off we go. It's not a long hike, but it's very strenuous with a lot of switchbacks, and, and we're going. And JP's, you know, he, if, you, if you know him, you know that on the side he loves to do photography. I mean, he's a chiropractor, but he loves to do photography. So he's got his camera equipment. 
It's like, all right, we're going. And at the, halfway through, we're really tired. JP's really exhausted. And we're like, is it worth it? And Katya's like, yes, you know, the view is beautiful. I've been to Glacier Point before. I had just never done the hike. And that was the interesting part. JP did not know that we didn't need to do this hike to get to that viewpoint. He did not know this. Okay? So off we go, and he's like, all right, but it's going to be worth it. You have to imagine when we get to the top, his face, when he sees a shuttle pull over and women in high heels getting off of the shuttle, like, oh, let's go take a picture. And JP was like, what the? Like, he lost it. Are you kidding me? Like, why, what was the point? We could have come up here in AC, like in a shuttle, get to the top here. My wife answers, what's the fun in that? <laughs> and JP, he just kind of turned around mumbling, but I could hear in spirit, I could hear what he was saying. He's like, where's the fun? Are you? You know, he went, probably went off in Spanish. Are you crazy? Like, we, I could have been here taking the pictures and not sweat like this, not this. And, and, and the point is this. He looked the part. I looked the part. It looked like we, you know, if you looked at us, what we were carrying, what we were doing, you know, those guys love hiking, right? But we don't love it as much as her. And she was just so happy, Right? And Gracia, she's similar to Katya, so she didn't mind at all, right? But JP and I, you know, we were, uh, I I knew, I I felt like I betrayed him, you know, because I knew, I didn't want to tell him, like, we could have driven up here. (laughs) Um, You can do most of the thing a hiker does and still not love hiking. You would grumble along all the way, but you could still pull it off. And no matter how much of it you did, you dislike it or hate it, that wouldn't change. You wouldn't be that type of person. The Christian faith is similar because it's all about not stop doing these bad things and then do these good things. That's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is way different. It's all about making you into a type of person. Like you you can't just kind of look the part. You're supposed to become like Jesus. This is what separates the Christian faith from other religions. It's not a don't do do religion. It's a become like Jesus, impossible task religion. That's why people often say Christianity is not a religion. What they mean by it is it's doing the impossible. And actually, Jesus did the impossible for you. He took your place. He died in your place. He lived the perfect life for you. And now he gives you what he earned. And you, he takes upon himself the punishment he deserved. But now he gives you the ability to slowly but surely become like Jesus. And I think that Christians often forget about that last part. They got the cross right. I think Christians, they they realize, you know what? I know Jesus died for me. I accept what he did on the cross. The blood, uh, the, the, the spilled blood means that the wrath of God has fallen upon Jesus and not upon me. Praise God, I'm saved. Thank you. But then we forget in it, after that, after we've accepted Jesus and, and, and declared our faith to him, we forget to continue walking in what he has done and not what I have done or what I can do. And so we abandon this 
I surrender to Jesus mentality. We leave it at, at the moment we become Christians, but then on our way to becoming more like him, we're just, we're back to the, to the don't do do, don't do do. That mentality is not what Jesus is calling us to. It's not what Paul teaches about in, in, in the New Testament, in his letters. Christians know that salvation comes by surrendering our quest for approval of God. Because Jesus earned it on our behalf. But afterwards, we try to take the wheel of our spiritual journey. We focus on lists. Don't do, do. And don't get me wrong. There are don't do's and do's in the Christian faith. But again, you don't want to be the type of hiker I am. You want to be the type of hiker Katya is who does the things, but because she loves it. Right? There's a different tone to that. That's the type of hunk, uh, of of hiker in our Christian faith that we want to be, someone that's hungry for Jesus and that wants to become more like him. I don't do, I don't, don't do because that's what I'm supposed to do, but rather because I want to be more like Jesus. See, point number one, accepting Jesus starts a journey towards becoming more like him. And like I said, we often forget that. Accepting Jesus starts a journey. We are signing up. We are signing up for a journey to become more like him. And, you know, this comes from, again, what I've been going through in my own quiet time. Currently, I've been slowly digesting Colossians. And in Colossians, there's this beautiful picture. It's so good between verses, and that's probably our main passage today. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. If you want to go ahead and, and flip there while I try to paint to you what's beautiful about it. Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Um, what's amazing is if you read only the first few verses of this introduction, or, or excuse me, in, in these verses, if you only free, read the first three, uh, three verses, you might think, yeah, Christianity is a don't do religion. Because it tells you all the things you're not supposed to do. But then afterwards, it does something shocking, and instead of telling you all the things you're supposed to do, it tells you, here's what you should feel. Here's what you should be. Here's who you should be. It doesn't tell you, go do this and that. It tells you, this is the type of person you're supposed to be. So yeah, stop doing this stuff, but could you be like Jesus? And in between the two, first the don't do, and then at the end, the part where it says, be this type of person in the middle is a verse that tells you that it starts by putting on the new self and being more like Jesus. So let's read this. This is chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. Watch those first uh, three to four verses where it says, don't do this stuff, right? Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away, Ra anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Now the transition is coming, because it didn't just say, you're putting off the old practices. You're putting off the new self. You are, you are no longer going to be that old person. 
It's different than just stopping. Verse 10, and have put on the new self. That's the central verse in all of these verses. It is, it is the, the verse on which everything in this concept hinges. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Being renewed in knowledge, in the way I think, after the image of its creator. So I'm supposed to think like Jesus. I'm supposed to become like Jesus, the image of its creator. And there's, there's a verse that's important, but not necessarily to the context right now, about how n- there's nothing that separates us now as a family of God. Here there's n- not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scyth- uh, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is, in, is all and in all. Okay, that's good, but it's not our central focus today. Now let's see, again, The top portion of this was don't do. The middle portion is become like Jesus. And now let's look what it is to be like Jesus. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Ooh, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This isn't a list of do's. This is become like this. Be like this. Because this is what it looks like to be Jesus. Be compassionate, holy, Beloved, be, be kind, be humble, be meek. I can't fake that stuff. I can do a bunch of things that show it, but that, that's, I could do an outward show and be none of that on the inside. This is why Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I give all away, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Wait, what? So I could sacrifice my life for someone else and it means nothing? Yes, because Christianity is about becoming someone, not about doing something. It's about becoming like Jesus. And that means you have to love like Jesus, which is an impossible task without his power. And that's the point. We have to learn. That's the question I'm interested in in my quiet time is, How do I turn on the switch where God turns me into being more like him? Because I can't do that myself. I'm flawed. I've tried it before. I failed. How do I do that? Now, the scriptures are pretty clear on who empowers it. And this is the second point today. By the Holy Spirit, we become more like Jesus. But here's the central part. The Holy Spirit part isn't news. By the Holy Spirit, we become more like Jesus by seeing his glory. We become more like Jesus by seeing his glory. What the heck does that mean? What is glory anyway? Glory is a churchy word. It's a a word that comes up a lot in the Bible, right? Glory, in a sense, is everything that is good about God. When we talk about the glory of God, it's everything that it's the display of his uniqueness, his oneness, his holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. He's in a category of his own. So to look at the glory of God is to see what sets him apart from us. 
to see all the ways in which he is beautiful, loving, merciful, kind, generous, patient. It's to see everything that makes God good. So if I want the Holy Spirit to change me and become more like Jesus, not just do stuff, if I want that, I need to, however this is done, I need to see Jesus. I need to see everything that's good about him. We become more like Jesus by seeing his glory. Here's the key passage for this. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that, number one, don't freak out if you don't look like Jesus tomorrow. <laughs> it's a gradual process. It's a lifetime process. In fact, there are other passages that tell us that it is complete at the day of Christ. The moment we see him literally face to face, whether it's by his return or us going to him when we depart. So it's a progress. It's a lifelong progress. So don't get frustrated in your process to become like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord. Beholding. What does that mean? Looking. In awe. Looking at the glory of the Lord. Are being transformed. See, it's not you doing it. You are being transformed by staring at what makes God so amazing. We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Whose image? God, Jesus' image, from one degree of glory to another. But hey, don't get it wrong, because you're not doing this. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the Spirit does it. It's Him doing it in you. What's my role on this to seek that glory and to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to me, to seek and try to see all that makes God good? It's like you're falling in love with Jesus. You see all that's so good about him and you can't help be inspired. Heck, look at all the basketball players that talked about how inspired they were by Kobe Bryant. Like, when you see someone that's outstanding, that sets a standard of excellence, it inspires you, and you want to become more like them. With Jesus, we can't, but the Holy Spirit does it. And so when I see the glory of God, it transforms me from one degree of glory to the next. That means it's progressive. It's not going to look like Jesus tomorrow. You're not going to look like Jesus next week. Or next Thursday, it's a lifelong process. And guess what? There's going to be bumps along the road. You're going to get it wrong sometimes. But that's what his blood is there for. Then you might be saying, wait a minute. It says here, look at the glory of the Lord. How do you know it's exactly talking about the, 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 the person of Jesus in the Trinity? How do you know it's specifically talking about Jesus? There's a variety of ways to see that, even in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, which is not on the screen, but it says the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Christ is the image of God, and I'm trying to become the image of God. It says in Hebrews, in somewhere in chapter 1, a few verses in, it says that he is the radiance of the glory of God. You know what radiance is? It's the shiniest part. It's the most intense thing. The radiance of what makes 
Jesus, so, or God so unique is Jesus. The maximum expression of God's glory, of God's goodness, of God's love is Jesus. That's, that's what the glory of God is. The glory of the Lord is to stare at Jesus and be awed and in shock. Wow, this is, he is so good, so loving, so kind, so merciful. He is the radiance of the glory of God. I don't have a third point. What I want to do is translate point number two. I want to translate it because glory and Lord, like it's, it's churchy language and maybe you're new to church. I want to translate it, what, what it means. And it's our main point today. We slowly become more like Jesus by spiritually seeing what makes him infinitely amazing. There it is. Church language or church lingo removed. Everyday English right there. We slowly become more like Jesus by spiritually seeing what makes him infinitely amazing. That's glory, right? What makes him infinitely amazing, that's his glory. That's what we need to seek on our day-to-day. I'm really passionate about this because in my own sinful nature... Sometimes I get up and I might do something before I read the Bible. I'm like, oh, wait, I need to read the Bible. And immediately I go like, no, no. I need to seek God's glory today. I need to change my mentality. Otherwise, if I need to read the Bible, I just need to read the Bible, whatever. I get that checklist. No, I need to become a different type of person. I need to seek his glory. So then my Bible reading will be transformed because I'm not seeking to read for the sake of reading and completing my Bible plan. I'm seeking to read to see the glory of God. God come alive. The scriptures aren't what have life. It's Jesus. So I need to read it and be transformed by seeing what makes him so amazing. So I go into scripture or into prayer seeking his glory. I want to see God. I want to interact with you, God. I want, to, I want to have that relationship with you. I want your presence to just change me. I want to feel you with me because you promise it. You are with me through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to have that presence. I want to see your glory. So we slowly become more like Jesus by spiritually seeing what makes him infinitely amazing. Let's seek that daily in everything that we do. You know what makes him so glorious? What makes him so glorious is something that, uh, it's from a book that I read um, called Peculiar Glory by John Piper. It's called, it's this concept, concept he calls majesty and meekness. He says, what makes God so glorious is that he has majesty and meekness. Remember, meekness was a word we saw today in Colossians, right? One of the things we're trying to get. God is majestic in his meekness. Check this out. He says, God win, you know, he, he doesn't win the praise of his majesty by amassing slave labor to serve him and say, worship me and serve me. But by becoming a servant himself to free the slaves of sin. There's no other God in the history of gods <laughs> that does that. It's ludicrous. God deserves that type of servitude from us, but he says, no, 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 no. Stay there. I will serve to the point of death 
that's what makes him glorious. But when we lose thought of what Jesus accomplished for us, what he did, the fact that he became a servant to free us, we, we can lose sight of that glory. Look at Paul talk about it in Philippians chapter 2, where he's actually calling us to be like Jesus. Listen to this. He's calling us to not just do, but be like Jesus. In verse 5 of chapter 2, Philippians, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, what makes him glorious? It's that. Therefore, God has ex- highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What makes him so glorious is that he willingly puts his life on the line, says, I will take your place. I'm I'm not going to force you to worship me. I'm I'm not going to force you to serve me. I will serve you. You just got served. (laughs) May we live to see that glory come alive in the pages of the Bible, in our prayer time, in everything that we do. May we seek to see the glory of Jesus, the thing that sets him apart. Because when I stare at that glory, I will be transformed. It's not me being transforming myself. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. But it comes by me stepping in to see his glory and asking God to open my eyes to see wondrous things in your laws, as Psalm says. That I would, my, the spiritual eyes, the eyes of my heart would be enlarged, as it says in Ephesians. And that I would be able to see what natural eyes can't see, which is what makes God, Jesus, so glorious. That I would live for that, that I would pray for that, that I would seek that in my Bible reading, not a reading plan. Do the reading plan, but don't do it like Ricardo the hiker. Do it like Katya the hiker. <laughs> this is why Paul says, indeed I count everything as loss in, in, in the next chapter because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. To him it's all about knowing Jesus and his glory. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. But here's the key part. We all stop there. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. As the worship team comes back up, I encourage you to not do, but become like Jesus. It's really where God is challenging me, In my quiet time, it's really where he's speaking to me right now. And I think it's something, I I was talking with my therapist the other day. I have a therapist, yes. 
I was talking with my therapist, and he's a Christian. And we were talking exactly about this subject, about how the church is in desperate need of what he called, it's a little fancier, new covenant living. And I'm not going to get into what that phrase means, but the point is, he was talking precisely about this. The church is in desperate need of rediscovering what it is to be a Christian, which is, yes, I accept everything he's done for me, and now I walk in everything he's doing in me and transforming me. I'm becoming like him, not do and do not do. That comes when I'm becoming like Jesus. So may we seek to be like him. I, I can't do or do not compassion. I can't do or do not meekness. I can't do or do not patience and kindness. I can't do those things. I need God to make me become that. May we see his glory and be transformed from one degree of glory to the next into the same image. May we be like Jesus. Let's pray. listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.